For nine months of my life, I um, woke up at around 5 a.m. every day. Some might say that's been good preparation for what's about to come. Uh, but someone was yelling this through a tannoy, which I hope will not be happening. Uh, Allahu Akbar, God is the greatest. Haya al-Falah, come and pray. Asalatu kairun min al-Naum, prayer is better than sleep. God is the greatest. Slightly ironic, prayer is better than sleep at five in the morning. I wonder what your prayer life is like, as we think about depending on God. Could you say it's better than sleep? What is our prayer life like as a church? As we start our second year as a church, we're looking at our key values. You've got them on your little cards as well. Uh, do have them out whilst we go through this. And the second of our key values is depending on God. Are we a people who in all things are depending on God? Something primarily displayed through prayer. Now, I know there's loads I could say here, and there's probably lots you might want me to say here on this topic of prayer. There's probably a full series to be had on it. Or maybe you're here for the first time. Uh, maybe you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, and you're wondering what is prayer? Why would we do it? Surely it's a little bit bizarre nowadays. We have a new technological world, an urban world, where there's no use for prayer, let alone God. Because our society often, our culture often wants to say there is no God, prayer does seem bizarre, it does seem unnecessary. What, a sign of madness maybe, to speak words just into the ether, to nothing. Well, we're going to look at prayer, we're going to look at what Jesus teaches about prayer here. And what is prayer? Well, it's intimacy with the amazing authoritative God. As we speak with him, as we listen to him, and that's what it is. And today we're going to be looking at the Lord's prayer, the prayer Jesus gave his followers. Someone has suggested these words are the most familiar uh, in all the English language, the most said out of any words. Um, I had my fam family come and see me uh, when I lived in Egypt, uh, when I had that call to prayer every morning. They visited me about six months into my time there, where surprisingly you might think I managed to get used to that noise uh, at that time in the morning. Um, the first morning for breakfast my parents came down looking a bit weary and wondered how I hadn't heard it. But you see when we get used to something, when it becomes familiar, we often forget it's there. And, and maybe that's a danger of the Lord's Prayer here. Maybe many of us have read these words many, many times, thought about it many, many times. They're familiar, but they are magnificent. We're going to specifically uh, focus in, really, uh, a lot of our time on the first four words, our Father in Heaven. As I've said, there's loads of places we could go, but we're going to spend a bulk of our time there answering this question, why would we pray? Why do we have a key value of dependence on God. Jesus starts this section, and when you pray, so it's something he expects of his followers to do, but why? Well, I think there's two main things. Firstly, we depend on God because of who we are. Wonder, can you think of a time when you were utterly helpless? Um, I still remember a day, 1993, I was five, probably one of my earliest memories. Um, I was out shopping in a department store with my mum, uh, in the clothes section, Something caught my eye elsewhere, so inquisitive five-year-old, I went looking. A few minutes later, I started to wonder where my mum was. All I could see were clothes, other people, but not my mum. So I toddled back to where I thought she was before, still no sign. Panic, tears, screaming, I'm sure. No idea what to do, utterly helpless. Some of you might have seen the story this week of a Spanish boy trapped in a 250-foot well. You can't even imagine how him and his parents feel, but I'm sure they feel pretty helpless. Pretty much like they can't do anything at the moment. The first lines 
of this model prayer from Jesus reminds us of our helplessness as we state who we're praying to. We're praying to our Father. And if he's our Father, then we're his children. And children, particularly little ones, are, are pretty helpless. That my sisters for Christmas, we had my niece and nephew there, one of them four months old, one of them four weeks old. Both in many ways pretty, pretty helpless. They couldn't feed themselves, couldn't wash themselves, couldn't burp themselves, couldn't really entertain themselves. At times they couldn't even really seem to sleep themselves. Uh, pretty helpless. And the headline of today, and I think the headline for us is, and notice plural, it's our fathers. The headline for us is that unless we recognise and agree that we're helpless, we won't see any need to pray. There's no need to depend on something or someone if you think you can do it all yourself. Jesus says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, un unless we believe that to be true, unless we believe that every breath we have is a gift from God, that everything we have is a gift from God, unless we believe that he alone can solve our greatest problems and those in the lives of our friends, we won't pray. So why pray? Because we're helpless. It, it's not something I'm very good at. I'm naturally quite confident. Set a task in front of me, I'll back myself to sort it out, just ask Caroline, much to her detriment often. My, my confidence, my arrogance often then stops prayer being a first port of call. My lack of understanding and my helplessness stops me. Um, there's a guy called Paul Miller. He's written a really helpful book on prayer called A Praying Life. I can recommend it highly. Um, he says this, which I thought was helpful. He says, this is him speaking, I'm starting to see there's a difference between saying prayers and honest praying. Both can sound the same on the outside, but the former is too often motivated by a sense of guilt or obligation, whereas the latter is motivated by a conviction that I'm completely helpless to do life on my own. Or in the case of praying for others, that I'm completely helpless to help others without the grace and power of God. Do you recognise that at all in you? Prayer is bringing our helplessness to Jesus. Uh, throughout the stories of Jesus, we see this again and again. Uh, at a wedding in Cana, we see Mary come and say, we have no wine. You may not think that's a prayer. <laughs> Some people might. Uh, helpless. She was helpless to know what to do with this massive social faux pas at a wedding. We then see a Samaritan woman with no water. We see the official's son with poor health. A crippled man at Bethesda had no one to help him get into the water. The crowd has no food. The blind man has no sight. And Lazarus has no life. Again and again, people coming to Jesus. Helpless people coming to Jesus. And I think if you step back from prayer at the moment to our, our value as a whole depending on God, we see this as key to understand the whole of the Christian message. I'm reading a book uh, about parenting at the moment from Paul Tripp, which is great. And it reminds us of this as he reminds us of our inability in so many areas. Um, he says this, which is helpful. He says the incarnation, that's Jesus coming to earth, his life, his death and resurrection of Jesus stand as clear historical evidence that human power for change does not exist. The reason God went to such an extreme and elaborate extent in controlling the events of history so that just at the right time his son would come and do for us what we could not do ourselves is because there was no other way. If you're not a Christian here today, remember this. Christians aren't people who think they're sorted, have it all together, or people who think they're cleverer or worked out life. No, they're people who recognise they're helpless. The gospel only works when we realise we're helpless and come to God and say, you alone can save me. We're going to sing it later. You alone can help me. And it's the same with prayer. 
you often read, I don't know if you read biographies occasionally, I try and read uh, one every few months of, of sort of heroes of a faith, you might call them, who prayed, often you see they prayed hours before they had to work. Uh, and when they're the busiest, they say they needed to pray more, and you read them and you go, seriously? And I want to say, strong Christians do pray more, but they pray more because they realise how weak they are. They don't try and hide it from themselves. Immature Christians see little need to pray, maybe. When they look at their hearts, which they probably do rarely, they don't see the jealousy or the envy or the pride. They're barely aware of their own impatience. Less mature Christians are really quick to give advice because in their world there's no complexity. Life is just simple. Do as I do, follow what I do. That's so often me. So often that's what I'm, I'm like. So often that's what I'm naturally like without Jesus. Mature Christian, though, uh, though, are people more and more being transformed by the good news of Jesus. Remember our purpose statements. More and more being transformed into Jesus' likeness. They feel less mature on the inside, ironically, in some senses. They're so keenly aware that they can't do life on their own. They can't raise their kids, that they can't make their friends follow Jesus, that they can't solve problems in other people's complex lives easily. Even if they are perfect parents, even if they are perfect friends, they still can't get into their hearts. And that is why strong Christians pray more, because they depend on their Father. I wonder if you to think about it for you, think about how important prayer is for you, how helpless you feel, what that leads you to do. Where do you stack up? As a church, where do we? This series is a, a chance to do a bit of a stock take. If you're here in this church, if you're committed to it, then here are our values we're saying. Here's what we value and we, uh, we think are really important. Are we depending on prayer? Or depending on God, sorry, in prayer. We depend on God because of who we are. Secondly, we depend on God because of who he is. And this is glorious when we get into it. It's a real challenge, prayer, isn't it? Um, I'm sure it is for you as it is for me. I'm not sure I've yet to meet anyone who goes, nah, like, simple, nailed it, love it, all the time. That, the fact here that Jesus is teaching us how to pray implies that he knows that. But I think it's important we recognise that. It's important to know it's hard, and it does in some ways need learning. Think about any earthly relationship. It takes work, doesn't it? Um, at first, you don't know how someone takes their tea. Um, that's the mark of good British friendship, if you're not British. Um, or, or you don't really know the tells of when they're sad and they need help, or the things which bring them joy or sadness. We just don't know those things initially. Prayer is a very personal thing, and it's hard, but it's also hard so often, I think, because we don't really know the one we're praying to, the Father, as we see here. And here Jesus introduces what it means to be a child of our Heavenly Father. And what a picture it is, as we pray to our Father, as we come and sit at his feet, we're like little children. Speaking to our Father is so personal, so loving. It's worth saying here, it's important we don't define Father by our own experience of our own fathers. They may have been great, but they've still have been flawed. No, no, we can use maybe the definition God gives, potentially this is best seen in the story of the prodigal sons. We looked at that in the summer, if you were here. Ladies Bible study's been looking at it, and we see a father who is so loving, so caring, cares deeply, and seeks out those who are lost and welcomes them back with open arms. This is the father we pray to. You see, if God is only your creator, or only your king, then prayer doesn't really work. Jesus here doesn't say, start your prayers with our king, or our creator, although he is both these things. He says, come to me as your father. Jesus was the first ever person to go call God Father, and it was shocking at the time. I once spent a few months reading the Bible with a Muslim man at university, and we'd get stuck here. 
We really would. He'd say it's absolutely insulting that God would have a son and be called father. He said we didn't have the right to do that. That, that familiarity is not appropriate. In some sense, he was right. On our own, what right do we have to call God father? Of course, Jesus can say that. He's God's natural son. But here he calls us to call him that. This is how you should pray, speaking to his disciples, his followers, people in the Sermon on the Mount who are listening in. This is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. And this is the good news of Jesus, this is the good news of the gospel. If you're not a Christian here today, hear this. Jesus says, you can have the same familial standing as me. You can be a son, you can be a daughter, the same basis before God because of what Jesus has done. This is what Jesus wants us to get first about prayer. We pray to our Father. Now look with me, look with me to the start um, of verse 1, 6 verse 1. We didn't read it. Uh, it's the context in which Jesus gives this prayer. He's speaking um, with many people who are watching, listening on, but, but partly as well with the Pharisees, religious leaders of the day are around him. And in verse 1 of this chapter, he sets a context. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father. We see it later when he gets into 5 and 6, when he's talking about... He's talking to them and saying there's, there's often people who are just saying their prayers in the streets only or in the synagogues and they want to say clever words and make it loud so everyone can hear. And he's going, be careful. Because I think prayer is a real litmus test of our relationship with God. What you do in private when only God sees and knows is a good indicator of, of your relationship with God. You see, a lot of things we do, it's possible to be motivated for different reasons, isn't it? In many senses, there are only really two kinds of religion in the world. On one hand, you get religions which tell you to use God. And on the other hand, you get ones which, which call us to serve God. And really, that's only Christianity, the only one which calls you to serve God in response to what he's done for us. Let me explain. In a religion where you use God, you have goals. You want to be successful. You want to be content. And so you ask, what do I need to do, God? Tell me what I need to do. I need to go to church? Great, fine. I'll do that. I need to pray? Cool. How many times do I need to pray? Tell me what to do. Tell me how to say it. However, when we serve God, a Christian says, I see God. I see who he is. I see he's my father. I recognise I owe him everything. But I deserve to be cut off from God for not trusting in him. But I trust in Jesus. And that means I can now serve God as his child. And now my motivation is that I want to do that. I want to know him. And a user and a server often sit next to each other in the same seats at church. Good way to tell the difference? Prayer life. A user will often only pray when they're in trouble, when they need something or someone. Once the problem is solved, there's no motivation left. A user and a server also differ utterly when their prayers are not answered. A server prays to a father and fathers in the room, I don't really know, but you know what it's like. You don't always give your children what you want, do you? Dad, why wouldn't you let me play with the fire? You're not going to let them do that. Why do you say I can't eat all the chocolate I want? Whatever it might be. As children, we don't always get what we want. And we can wrestle with it, not like it necessarily. We can be upset about it. I'm sure we see that. But if you're a server, if you're serving God, then you ultimately trust that he is a father. If you're a child, you ultimately trust that he is a father and he's working for our good. It's a real challenge. So it's been a real challenge to me this week as I've prepped, as I've thought about this, as I've looked at my own heart. Now, as we think of who God is, we can skim into the start of the prayer. I'd love to spend a week on each of the clauses on the prayer, really unraveling what Jesus is saying, but here's some headlines. Here and elsewhere, the Bible teaches us to start with praise. 
every prayer of the Bible is full of adoration and praise. Now look at your prayers. I look at mine. Is that how mine are? They're so often just more like a shopping list. And as a result, our prayer life often is pretty ropey. Mine is at least, because we don't follow a pattern. Don't hear me wrong, I'm not saying there's a special formula to get God to listen, or he's, he's not concerned about little things we're going to see about later when he, we ask for our daily bread. He really is. But surely we do well to look at the prayers of the Bible, to look at the pattern Jesus sets, and seek to imitate that predominantly where we can. And we start with praise because most of our problems come because we forget who God is. We speak with our Father who is in heaven, both immensely intimate and immensely powerful. And as we see this prayer, as you look down in verse 9 and 10, particularly the first few clauses, which give God praise, which remind us he's our Father in heaven, which remind us of his holiness, his distinctiveness, of the authority of his will, the question comes, and we spoke about it earlier, do we know God? Because prayer is about getting to know a person. Um, Paul Miller in his book, he says, many people struggle to learn how to pray because they're focusing on praying, not on God. As we pray, your will be done. See that here. The question comes, are we committed to learning more about what his will is and learning in line of that? Thanks help to see that as we look at our key value of prioritising God's word, where we learn more of who God is and what his will is. So as we think about dependence on God as a church, we see a real challenge to remember who we are. Remember who we are helpless before God. But remember who God is, such a loving father who calls us to come to him. Now, we're trying to make this series relatively practical as we think through what does it actually look like uh, as a church. You'll see it there in your rhythm around the circle. What that looks like for us as a church, we have a variety of things which go on to help us to pray, to help us to depend on God. But firstly, let's just go back round to when Jesus says, when you pray. When you pray. And we've said Jesus is teaching us here to pray. So it's not easy, it does take learning. Jesus teaches this, so it's obvious we might miss it, and it's important we do remember this. I think for me, praying for 30 minutes is infinitely harder than preaching for 30 minutes. I've probably preached some pretty ropey sermons, but I don't think it's ever got so bad that I've completely forgotten I was even preaching. That I've got so distracted that without realising my mind has gone completely somewhere else. You may tell me wrong. How often is that actually the case in prayer, if you try and sit down before it? John Newton, great hymn writer, he once said, when trying to pray, I sometimes feel as if the mere buzzing of a fly in the room is destroying me. I'm sure we can echo that. We've looked at how it's such a personal thing, prayer, and how the challenge is, do we know the one we're praying to? Do we spend time learning more of him, more of his character and his will? So when in this prayer we pray your will be done, and we pray our prayers, they're more and more in line with what his will is. So... Here's a question, it's an uncomfortable one. It's an uncomfortable one to ask myself as I ask you. And don't hear me wrong when I say this, but how much time do we put into prayer? See, it's, it's more important than our exercise. More important than our workout, so many things. Do we prioritise, do we put time into it? Not because we have to, don't hear me wrong, but good news of Jesus, as it says, full of grace, a free gift of God. But now in response to that, this amazing access so I prayed about earth, this amazing access we have to the King of Kings, to our Father. In response to that, do we pray? Parents, do you maybe say to your spouse, let me have a child for the next 20 minutes so you can go and spend some time reading and praying to your Father? In growth groups, small groups, whatever it might be, do we ask this question 
of how much we're prioritizing it. Not because we have to, but because we get to. We get to speak to our Father. We get to speak to the King of Kings. Do you prioritize and put time in for it? Now, there's so many things which can help us as we pray. And do discuss your own methods. I'll have a bit of time after we sing to what works for you, what can be really helpful, because we all work in different ways. Think about Newton quote with the buzzing fly. Here's three things which I think could be really helpful um, to maybe think about how you do it as, as a family, on your own, whatever it might be. Firstly, uh, and it's quite simple, lists. My dad is an incredibly faithful prayer. Every morning whilst he shaves and does his teeth, having spent some time reading his Bible, praying prayers of praise, he goes through his little book. He's had it for as long as I've known him, and he updates it each year with people's names, people's prayers. He asks me regularly, how can I be praying for you specifically? He prays for his family, he prays for his friends who don't know Jesus. He recognises his helplessness there, and he recognises God's care for his life. <coughs> Give us today our daily bread, Jesus teaches them his prayer. It shows us God cares for the details of our lives. We can bring them before him. So maybe writing a prayer list could be helpful. Um, here are my cards. They're all different Pixar things. It's quite funny. Ants Bug Life, that's Tuesday. Got different ones here. And, and on the back of it, oh, they're on the floor now. I try and use these each day, or as often as I, I can. And on it, names of the people I'm praying for. Uh, a number of you will be on here, uh, as well as friends who I long to turn towards Jesus. Just a helpful way just to help me focus my mind, just to try and flush out some distraction and pray. You can have them digital as well. I know some people use a great little app called Prayermate. I can highly recommend that. It's well worth looking into. It can be a great way of giving you some verses to mull over first as well and pray into that as well. But work out what can help you. For me, I know that technology, that prayer mate, having my mobile with me would not be helpful. It'd be a distraction. I'd be on BBC Sport straight away. I would. But it might work for you. So maybe why don't you think about making a list? Maybe go home as you chat about as a family. What, what, who do you want to pray for? What do you want to pray for? I know a helpful challenge I've had through my work with Christians in sports and to have three people on a list I pray for every day who I'd love to come and follow Jesus. Maybe think of three people you could pray for each day. Secondly, study the prayers of the Bible. The Bible is full of wonderful prayers. Paul particularly has some beautiful words which can really help us fix our eyes on Jesus. We see how he shapes our prayers. I'll often try and use the Psalms. Just maybe take a Psalm and just pray it through. Maybe look at a few of these week and learn them. Maybe do it as a family this week as you look at it together. And then finally, I should say pray together. Remember at the start of the prayer, our Father, the whole of the Christian life is a corporate one, one to be lived together. That's why we gather together on a Sunday. We encourage each other to do life together. Most of today has been on a personal challenge, how we pray in our homes, in the private places, Jesus said in this passage. But prayer together is also really important and helpful. That buzzing fly Newton talks about can be easier to ignore when you're praying with others. Town Church, we have two main organised ways. You'll see them on your rhythm around the circle. Two main ways we're trying to help this. We have pizza and prayer. Once a month, it's been a real encouragement to see people there. In the wheel, you'll see it says here, we think it's our most crucial meeting outside of the Sunday gatherings. It's quite a claim. There's lots which goes on. We think it's most crucial. As a church, we depend on God in prayer. Can we prioritise that? Each week, we also have an early morning prayer breakfast. We know 6.30 on a Friday morning doesn't work for everyone with work and families, but it would be great to continue to see people coming and committing to that as we pray 
to our God as we praise him and as we pray for Bista. For me, something at 6.30am really does remind me of my helplessness. I struggle to open my eyes in the morning. But it's a really great way to start the day as we go through the Bible together and pray for each other. Could that be something you commit to for a season, maybe? It's now at the pool's house. All the details are on the email. They've even got milk in for us, which is miraculous. Finally, then, as we finish, uh, hopefully some of those challenges are helpful. They're not exhaustive. There's lots we can still talk about and discuss together, and let's do that. And after we've sung a song, we're going to have a bit of space, some time to use the cards. There's a reason they're white, so we've got some pens, and maybe you might find it helpful just to write down what your rhythm could be. Have you thought, oh, that'd be really helpful. I've thought about that for a while. Let me commit to that. Let me say to somebody else I'm going to do that and hold each other to account on that. We're going to sing a great song in a minute, so I'll ask Chris to come up as I finish. And it reminds us once again of our helplessness. Let's go back to the start. It reminds us of our helplessness and reminds us that with Christ, we now have all we need. That we can come in our helplessness. We can come to the only one who can truly listen and truly help as we draw intimately close to him in prayer. We're going to sing in verse 2 great reminders of this, of the outrageous good news of what is now possible. It says this, it says, You looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross, and I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. What words as we then sing, hallelujah. That just means praise God. All I have is Christ. And this song just does that. It reminds us who we are, helpless without God. It reminds us gloriously who God is. So we're going to stand together now if you're able. We're going to sing this prayer of praise together and then we'll spend a bit of time reflecting.